What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. My name is Matt Hensley, and I have the privilege of serving as the associational missionary for the Colin Baptist Association and one of the pastors at First Baptist Church in Hogwarts. And also have the joy of serving the Hemphills Center for Church Revitalization. But I am joined today, as always, by Kyle Bierman. I am a rural specialist with the North American Mission Board Replant Team and I serve as Connection Minister at Highland Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. Let's go! And your Rangers got a win last night, so you're, you're finally good. Yeah. Uh, how, how many losses first, did you first, have in a row? First win in September. Oh. Uh, man, I stopped counting. Eight, nine, something like that. And it was, it was, you got the win against the Astros. Uh, so, so big, big win there. So, so much appreciated for for your service and you know just preparing us and say, hey, don't give up on the end of the season. We know you're going to the playoffs. Just keep keep pressing, keep keep beating the mess out of the AOS. But uh, but Kyle, I have a question for you. Would yep. you like one thousand five hundred dollars? I would always like one thousand five hundred dollars. Well, then let me just let you in on a little something something, okay? Preview Day attendees are going to have a chance to win a $1,500 scholarship if they go, after all, to the Fall Preview Day on October 21st at Southwestern Seminary. So if you're looking for theological education that includes both academic challenge and hands-on ministry experience, we suggest Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And the best way to experience all Swivitz has to offer is to attend their fall preview day on October 21st. This is your chance to see firsthand all that they do, right? So during your visit, you're gonna tour the campus, speak with faculty, chat with fellow students, hear from Dr. Greenway, experience all of that unique campus community. And uh, in all of that, if you do that, you have a chance to win a $1,500 scholarship. So fall preview day, October 21st, register today for free at swibbits.edu forward slash preview. And so, Kyle, our topic today is not baseball. Our topic today is not uh, fall preview day either. Our topic today is the call that Jesus gave us to be a jerk for Jesus. Yes. Is that it? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, not exactly. Okay. So tell us what we're talking about today, Kyle. Were you a jerk so, online? Were you a jerk online? I, I was or, not, is this just I'm like never a, a jerk person? online. I, no, no. But I, this, this is part of a discussion that's been had. I don't know. I would say over the last couple of years or so that in 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 multiple arenas, um, more or less asking this question is one of the problems with Christianity uh, that we are too kind or the, the, the word has been thrown out is winsome, um, which according to Merriam Webster is generally pleasing and engaging often because of a childlike charm and innocence, cheerful, lighthearted. So, right? so, so kindness and, and winsomeness kind of, kind of go, yes, there's, <laughs> But but basically, there's there's been this argument put forth 
primarily in social media that that in order to make our point as believers in the current cultural climate that we need to be less winsome we need to be less we, we need to be less concerned with being kind and we need to be more concerned with speaking the truth and if if speaking the truth means that we come off as harsh or as jerked then then so be it but but that's what needs to happen um and so let let me say from the outset here like if you're looking for us to start dropping names and that's not going to happen we're we're going to address just kind of the overall debate from kind of a high level um but (laughs) but 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 i think there's i i think there's some important things for pastors especially to consider here in the way that you address certain cultural topics, the way that you address people in your community, and then and then certainly the way that you treat the people in your churches as well. And, and we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about some of the biblical mandates that we have for this. Um, but Matt, share with me your experience. I think any pastor who's served in church for any length of time will have encountered um, People who just think it's okay to say the rudest possible uh, thing, right? And they think they're speaking the truth in love when really they are not not necessarily speaking the truth, and it's certainly not in love. Oh, so you want the name? So her name? No, her, her name. Was, <laughs> and uh, she, so she made it like crystal clear. Uh, she told me uh, that she didn't vote for me, wouldn't vote for me, would never vote for me. Uh, told Sunday school class, uh, I didn't vote for for Matt. You know all of that kind of stuff, and and so anything that we did that went well, completely and totally ignored. Anything that we went well that maybe she didn't agree with or or whatever, she made it crystal clear that we did something wrong or or whatever. Any point that she possibly could, uh, she she would speak into that whole situation in the most negative, mean spirited way, and uh, and so you know the upside is. Uh, is that people saw that, and uh, and they saw how one, like you talked about, the whole truth and love aspect, where you know even you know that's something I am reminded of often. Don't take advice uh, or or don't take criticism from people that you won't take advice from. Uh, but but even with criticism, you can kind of wade through and and say, is this true? Is this something? Is this a blind spot that even even this critic that I don't like that hates me, whatever, still sees this? Is this something true to this? So you can still kind of go through this stuff and in, in the truth and all of that, even if it's not given out of love. But still, in her case, the even the truth wasn't there. Like love certainly wasn't there, but the truth wasn't there either. And and people saw that. It's like you're wrong, and and they would tell her, and that only made it worse. And uh, and so you know, ended up just kind of being a a noisy gong in the church. And so at times, you know, she would say something in a uh, business meeting or or whatever, and like. It was like this immediate, you just felt it in the room. Sometimes even heard it audibly, like, uh, like you know, it, it's almost like, you know, having the peas on your plate, you know, with your steak or something that, you know, you, you need to eat them because they're good for you or whatever, but they don't really taste good. You're just going to eat them. So it's, it's kind of like, we just got to put up with this comment from beep and, uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll just move on with the day. And that's what usually happened. And that's what I also see happening online is, you know, some of these guys that are regularly just throwing out the most toxic things 
under the guise of truth, 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 and, and often are, are either a very narrow version of that truth or a half-truth or an out-of-context truth or something along those lines. But even so, outside of kind of their, their rage follows and the rage engagements, you know, the same crowd saying the same thing over and over and over again, all of that kind of stuff, largely ignored. Uh, people usually don't even respond to them in the positive way or, or even negative, like, no, you're wrong. And they just, it's just, you, you say the same thing and, and do the same thing over and over and over again. And you just eventually get tuned out. And that's what happened with this, uh, this lady. And I use that term lightly, but uh, that's what happened with, with her is just constantly just backbiting and nitpicking the smallest of things and the silliest things. And sometimes even the most untruthful of things and uh, and people just ultimately tuned her out and uh and so it was wonderful uh never never lost sleep over it because again it kind of goes back to that same thing of consider the source is this somebody i would take you know advice from and the answer is absolutely not in this case and uh, so i'm not going to take all of that criticism to heart i'm, I'm going to filter through it see if it's true all of that but but yeah jesus did not say go into the world and make disciples by being a jerk for me uh, he called us to be ambassadors. And time and time again, you know, what, one of the things that we see with Jesus is he doesn't just teach about things. He's not just teaching about, uh, you know, heaven. He's teaching how to get to heaven. You know, he's not just teaching about forgiveness. He's demanding that we forgive one another. So he's not just take, talking about, uh, you know, changing, I don't know, behavior or or gossiping or something. He calls us to repent. He's not talking about the concept of love. He's not just saying, hey, you know, just hypothetically, you might consider truth and, and love and in and, and your conversations. No, he's like, love your enemies. <laughs> like, bless those who persecute you. Like, it's the exact opposite of what we would expect. And so yeah. it's not always about, you know, just principles or just these abstract ideas of forgiveness and love and, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, it was very direct in, in calling us to this life of forgiveness, this life of love, this life of being life of being a uh, peacemaker, and uh, and so forth, calling us to repent when we're not, and uh, and so all of those things, obviously, perfectly embodied in Him uh, as our perfect Savior, and uh, and also we don't measure up to that, so He's our perfect sacrifice, and so uh, He He's still out of that perfect life, gives us a pattern to follow, but because we can't ultimately follow that on our own. He also saves us from our sins by going to the cross and being uh, raised from the dead. So, so yeah, I don't know that you wanted all of the tea, but I spilled some of it uh, with that, that one lady named Beep. <laughs> so Paul actually, in a couple of places, gives us guidelines, right? So, so one, of the, one of the key places would be the fruit of the Spirit. Right, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And one of the things that, that that's very interesting is that Paul contrasts that with what he calls the desire of the flesh, right? The the works of the flesh. And I, th- I think there's a big difference in that the works of the flesh tend to be impulsive, right? Outbursts of anger, uh, jealousy, um, envy. Th- th- those are things that that can come up in an instant. Almost all the fruits of the Spirit, as, as I'm looking at these, are things that have to be cultivated because they're things that don't come naturally to us. And so I think sometimes we can um, maybe begin, try to excuse 
bad behavior on our part as as believers, even on our part as pastors, because we can say, well, that's just the way I am. I just have a short temper. And, and but that that would fall here in this list under the works of the spirit, not under patience, kindness, gentleness. And and then there's one other passage that I, that I think is really important for us to that, that bears consideration, and that's Romans twelve eighteen. Again, this is Paul speaking, and he says, "If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone." And so when I see that, I I, I see Paul saying to the believer, "Do whatever you can within your power." to live at peace with those around you. Now, that may not always be possible, right? There may be people in your neighborhood that when they find out that you're a pastor, that they just, that they are not going to let it go and they're going to be angry that you're in their neighborhood. There there may be people in your church, believe it or not, that uh, are similar to, to the individual that Matt described, that just for whatever reason, and don't like you and are not going to allow you to lead them. But I think Paul, if there's a, we, we need to do whatever is within our um, whatever is within our capabilities to live at peace with those around us. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't point out sin and certainly in the lives of believers, that doesn't mean that we don't speak out against unrighteous behavior that in, in our communities. But there's a way to do that where you don't come across as a jerk and and you don't have to do it screaming. One of the boldest sermons I've ever seen um, on the, the topic of homosexuality and, and a church's firm stance on the biblical side of marriage was by Greg Mott at Houston's First Baptist Church. And he's sitting on a stool and he's calm but he's very kindly, very gently explaining what the Bible says about marriage, what the Bible says about sexuality. And, and I'm sure there were some people who were terribly offended by that. But, but the point is, if we are going to offend someone, and, and there are times where that's, poss- where that's necessary, but, but if we're going to offend someone, let's make sure we're offending them for the right reason, that the gospel is offensive enough. The calling out sin is offensive enough. We don't have to further that offense by the way we do it. We can call out sin, even in a way that's kind, firm, but kind, um, and, and making sure that if folks are offended, they're offended because of what the Bible says, not because of how we are saying something. Yeah, and I I think about this also in terms of, you know, and and along the lines with Greg Mott is as we're sharing the gospel with unbelievers, one of the things we're going to have to share is that that person is a sinner and that person is is a sinner that is damned to hell. And uh, and that's a key part. You know, that that's a very key component to this thing. You know, you're not just a good person that's Jesus gonna make greater, you know, or gooder. Uh you you are a bad person, a depraved wretch in need of a savior. And and you're going to die in that condition unless you repent. Like that would seem like a very unloving thing to say. But we can certainly make it 
a very unloving thing uh, by by just belittling belittling them and and being mean spirited and how we are sharing that and and I'm reminded you know really with you know of course us as as parents I'm sure this got a little new life as we're raising kids as you're teaching them right from wrong and and not to do certain things and so forth is uh, you know, like touching a stove or running into the street, you know, the, the most loving thing you can possibly do is to grab that son of yours, you know, no one said, no, you know, we can't run into the street. You know, there's a car coming, you know, it's the most loving we can do. But in the moment, no, it's like, why are you grabbing me, bro? Like, you know, it's like whatever it is. And so we're still having to share a very hard, uncomfortable truth, but we're wanting to share it in love because we're trying to share and show their need of a savior. And so if we're belittling them or being mean-spirited about them, talking down to them and so forth, and not this idea that, you know, I've got it all figured out, but no, bro, I was just like you. And I was dealing with this, 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 and this, but Jesus saved me. He redeemed me and, and, and kind of weave your testimony in there that I was exactly like you, if not even worse. And, uh, and there is no sin that you've ever done or would ever do that could be able to keep Jesus from saving you. And let me tell you how that's made possible in going right into the gospel. And I'm also reminded a little bit, I, I recently preached on Psalm 85, and it really gives a blueprint. Now, this really isn't the focus of our topic today, but but I'll get there. It gives us a blueprint for kind of some encouragement in discouraging times because the people of Israel at that point are in some kind of a mess. We don't quite know the context, what is going on, uh, but it's enough to make them kind of doubt God's goodness and wondering if he's abandoned them and so forth. That's in the middle of Psalm 85. At the front, though, the author sends them back uh, to a time when God showed his favor, when he redeemed them, when he forgave them, all of that. But then it looks forward into the future. And there's a line there where it talks about faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will string, spring up from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. And, and I've often heard, you know, like Christians being a little bit of heaven here on earth. Right, Earth is very a difficult place. We're dealing with a lot of stuff, and we see all of the backbiting and so forth. But what if we brought a little bit of that heaven here, where we do have some love and truth that's embracing righteousness and peace that's embracing, and uh, and so that's just important—a a good posture and a good tone, all of those kinds of things. And I know there's always the you know the labels of tone police or or whatever it might be, but at the end of the day. Jesus did not call us to be jerks for him. He called us to be ambassadors for him. And so our tone, our winsomeness, our graciousness, our loving kindness, all of those kinds of things, the fruits of the Spirit, as you talked about uh, a moment ago, and, and that we, I believe, talked about with Ronnie Kurtz, uh, the fruits of the Spirit in our life coming out and how we're engaging with our fellow believers, even our fellow believers that are erring or wrong in a certain way, shows a watching world. Uh, how Christians can work through disagreements and, and uh, discussions. And then obviously, as we're sharing the gospel with others, uh, doing so like almost as a sledgehammer of how awful you are and how terrible you are, and you should feel terrible about yourself. That, like all of those kinds of things that, you know, yes, you have to tell them you're a sinner, uh, but there's a way to do that in such a way that's endearing and helping them see their need for salvation. Kyle, what what are your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. And as I said earlier, there are things that will offend people, but let's make sure that we're offending people with the right things. 
that if they're going to be offended, they're offended by the gospel, they're offended by something that the Bible has said, they're not offended by our um by our actions and our words. That's uh that that's the key, right? Because you can even if breathe with, you can still win the person. And and they may walk away saying, Man, I don't like what you said, but but I like you. And and that's the key to building a relationship, especially with with unbelievers, because then you can have further conversations with them, even about things that they're not going to agree with, at least in the beginning. But you can you can build that relationship because of the way you listened, because of the way that you treated them, even when you disagree. Yeah, and and I'm reminded of that little comic. I think it was Bizarro, Bizarro, where uh, you've got the guy that's arriving at at heaven, and uh, the gatekeeper's there and says, "You were a believer, yes." But you skipped the, quote, not being a jerk about it part. <laughs> I love that as a reminder that, that yes, we're a believer, but we're not called to be a jerk about it, right? We, we, there, there is no shortage of high horses and, uh, and, and at least Christendom on, on Twitter uh, at times. And, uh, but I love the guys that are just quietly serving Jesus, regularly sharing the gospel and, and being loving about it and uh, and being kind with their words and their reaction, especially our words and reactions with other people. And, you know, I think about in my own family, there's, you know, brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, all of that kind of stuff, moms and dads, we, we have disagreements and uh, you sit around the table on, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas and politics comes up or, or whatever it might be. And, and uh, people start spouting off and and whatnot. And it's going to be really easy to want to make your point and make it, you know, just strong and compelling, all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, you're still a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter, all of those things to the other people in the room. And what if we see that with that person that we're sharing with online, that we disagree with them, right? It's not that they're, you know, lost and damned to hell. And even then, we're not supposed to be jerks about it. You know, so it's like, they're, they're our brother, they're our sister, and uh, and we need to remember that we're going to be spending an eternity with them, and so we better learn how to live with them now and uh, and and serve with them and love them and, and make our points in love and uh, and with kindness, uh, because we are called to be salt and light and uh, in the world. We are supposed to be about truth and love, and, uh, and we can't separate the two. And uh, so it's unloving to not be truthful or to ignore the truth. Uh, it's also unloving to to be badgering with the truth, and so uh, I, I think that's a good balance to walk. And, and I like like you reminding us from Romans about in as much as it depends on you, right? You know, you can't control what that other person is doing, can't control what they were saying. Like the member I was talking about before, uh, you know, kick them out of the church, whatever. You know, you can't kick that person off of Twitter. You don't. You're not Elon Musk or whatever, uh, but <laughs> or whoever owns it right now. Uh, you can't really do that, but you can mute them. Uh, and if you had to, you could block them. But but uh, at the same time, man, just don't, just don't don't engage and uh, and don't be that guy uh, that's the jerk for Jesus and uh, and and trying to do that for platform or notoriety of oh he just he unashamed of the truth, maybe maybe a hundred percent, but he might also just be a jerk with the truth, and so. It's an important balance to to follow carefully. Yeah, 
So, so as we wrap up, let's let's cover just kind of three ways to not be a jerk for Jesus. All right. So, so let's let's cover these, and and I'll start. Number one is watch your tone, particularly on social media. Um, you know, we we've talked a lot about social media. Um, it's it's very easy to be a different person on those platforms than you are in person, and then you are in the and I, I, I'm sure we've known some guys through the years, you know, there, there's lots of stories in the office and they were on the platform, a uh, different person in the, in the supermarket. I think as, as pastors and as believers, we want to be consistent. We want to be the same, right? That was, that was always a goal of mine and, and, a, and a conviction that I had. I wanted to be the same person sitting in the office when I was interacting with secretaries as I was when I was uh, on the platform preaching. And, and the same is true for social media. I want to be the same person, right? So I want to have the same sense of humor. I want to have, um, you know, the, the same conversations on there that I would have in person as well. And But you have to watch your tone because you can come across as a jerk very easily because you, words aren't always easily interpreted on social media platforms. And especially things like sarcasm, uh, th- those just don't always translate really well there unless you're in a group where you know you know people and they know your personality so just be careful to, to watch your tone um that, that you're not acting like someone that you're not uh, or acting in a different way on social media okay and then number two be slow in responding especially to angry text messages tweets email all of that sort of thing all right I kind of follow 24 hours, sometimes even a 48 hour rule. Um, if, if, you know, let, let's talk email. I got that super passive aggressive or, or even just a straight up criticism email or, 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 or critical email or whatever, uh, that really hurts. And, and out of that hurt and, and this desire to defend myself and, and honor whatever it might be, uh, I want to just, peck away and, uh, and, and just tell them how wrong they are and, and where they can put that opinion. And, uh, and that's very tempting. And so one of the things that I, I do is I'll often, uh, I'll go ahead and write how I'm feeling right there, usually in somewhere else. So I don't accidentally hit send. Uh, but, but then I, you <laughs> yeah. know, I delete it and, and then I sleep on it and I pray and I pray for that person. I pray through whatever that criticism might've been. And then the next day, and maybe the day after that, uh, whenever I feel kind of at a place where I should respond and I'm responding in the right spirit and so forth, then I type that response. And uh, if it's necessary, if a response is even necessary in the first place, same thing with tweets. And, you know, like things happen, you know, a certain uh, controversy swirls around and uh, and we get kind of the first part of the story and then people just fire off their opinions. And then you get a more full a picture of what took place, and suddenly what you fired off is no longer even remotely true or or accurate at that point. And uh, and so that's that's another reason that I follow kind of that 24, 48 hours is because sometimes you hear something, uh, and, and it might be out of context or or whatever it might be. Before I respond, I'm going to wait a minute, and and a couple of things will happen. One, I'll have time to pray and process what did take place or didn't take place or whatever. Then more information is going to come at my discretion and, and disposal or whatever. Then I'm able to say maybe my initial reaction was wrong or came out of a sense of 
pride or prejudice or whatever. And I also have time to pray through what my response is going to be instead of that kind of just uh, quick to speak uh, mentality that, that, that we tend to have, especially with online, because yeah. it's right at our fingertips. And, uh, and so that's something to remember, yeah. tweet, text, whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be very easy to respond in the moment. And you end up being maybe wrong because of the context or wrong because of your heart, because you were you're responding uh, kind of out of pride or, or just trying to be right or whatever it might be. And so that's my number two uh, would just be slow, slow in your responding to this stuff. And what, what about number three? What would be your third? Yeah. So so my third w- would be um, make sure that you have people who can call you out uh, privately. Right. The people who who see you uh, interact in person, online, and, and are not afraid to call you out when, when maybe you've reacted impulsively, overreacted to something, um, you know, that, that can be a spouse. You know, there, there were a couple of times where, you know, Michelle would see the way that I responded to it, like a harsh question in a business meeting or something. And, and she would say, I, I, I think you might could have responded to that a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, there, there are folks on social media that, that will call and be like, hey, I saw this thing. I don't think it's, I don't think you meant it this way, but this is how it's coming across. And, and so make sure that you have people in your life who are, are not afraid to call you out um, in, a, in a gentle and loving way, again, right? Because if you're angry, the, the last thing that you need is somebody who's going to respond and say, you know, come, come at you in an angry way as well. That's not going to help the situation, but someone whom you trust, who has permission, um, who can call you out when, when, when you get out of line, because we're all going to do it, right? We're all going to, you know, have, have somebody make a comment to us and we're not going to respond the best way. You know, at some point, each of us is going to either in a Facebook group or on Twitter or in a text message, we are going to, um, respond in, in a way that we probably shouldn't have, right? Whether that's just, you know, kind of trying to be funny and sarcastic and it doesn't come across that way or typing something in anger, thinking I'm justified and I'm going to, you know, they're going to see the light and that's going to fix everything in this whole debate um, and, and really just throwing fuel on the fire. So so have people who, who can call you on that and help keep your heart in check, help keep your fingers in check as well when it comes to, uh, to typing out angry responses. Awesome. Remember, as it depends on you, you can only control you. You know, speaking to the listener, I can only control Matt. I often tell my daughters, you know, what's your name? You know, Cadence, Leah, whatever. What's their name? And, and they'll say the name. What's your name? And and they, they get kind of annoyed. And I'm like, you can only control you. Yeah. How you respond to this situation yeah. is the only thing you're in control of. And even that, you need the Spirit's help. And so... Uh, just just remember, give a little taste of uh, heaven on earth by letting faithful love and truth join together righteousness and peace, embrace. And, uh, and, and as uh, you know, Paul said, and as Kyle reminded us, uh, in as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And uh, so don't be a jerk for Jesus, but instead, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel we declare. What's wrong with you people?